Most people in the cannabis scene assume they know how to judge good flour. A subset of those people also think they have advanced enough skills to even judge cannabis competitions. Alas, most people are using their own subjective standards and preferences while thinking that they are being objective. This gets played out with very serious impacts when wholesale cannabis buyers are judging who to buy from for their retail outlets. But perhaps even more impactful is when subjective preferences cloud the decisions of cannabis cup judges. Today we're going to talk about some of the finer points of judging the merits of a cannabis flower, how disreputable judging is at most cannabis competitions, and the certification called interpening that is to cannabis what a sommelier certification is to wine. If you enjoy hearing frank discussions that dive deep into cannabis health, business, and technique, I encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter. Every week, you'll receive a new podcast episode delivered right to your inbox, along with commentary on a couple of the most important news items from the week. Social media sites are becoming very unreliable and showing folks every post they want to see, so sign up for the newsletter and make sure you don't miss an episode. You are listening to Shaping Fire, and I am your host, Shango Los. My guest today is Max Montros, founder and current president of the Tricom Institute. Through the Tricom Institute, Max is a key educational advisor to the government, business, and public sectors. He specializes in providing a certifiable cannabis curriculum for cannabis professionals and serious cannabis enthusiasts. Today, we're going to talk about judging the qualities of cannabis flowers. Welcome to the show, Max. Always a pleasure, Shango. Thank you so much for having me back. So let's jump right in, Max. So, you know, cannabis enthusiasts have a wide range of reasons they deem cannabis to be good or bad. You know, like like some tokers, it, for, for some folks, it's just the amount of THC, right? All they look is at, at the THC percentage, and then they buy the one that's the highest. Whereas, you know, some more experienced folks are, are looking for terpene profiles. But, but similarly, patients, right, are most often judging flower based on if it gives them relief or not. And all these folks are looking at the same cannabis in different ways. And, you know, that's, that's totally happened because there's never really been an established standard for judging cannabis. But then you, with the Tricome Institute, um, built this interpreting program, which is kind of like a, not kind of, it is a sommelier-like uh, certification for people uh, interpreting the standards for cannabis. So, so what are the key aspects that you've put together for judging the quality um, of cannabis flowers? Um, well, I think before I want to dive into the aspects that we put put forth to judging the flower, is it fair to um, maybe first look at the, all the different types and reasons why uh, judging and grading cannabis um, uh, is important in our industry today? Yeah, sure. I think everybody from a patient to uh, to a to a retail buyer to the grower. I mean, I think everybody's judging for their own. So, so let's sure. let's. Uh, you've probably teased out more of that than anybody. So, so let's hear sure. it. Sure. So you know how in our industry everyone grows the best weed. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> right. So, um, so because everybody grows the best cannabis, and because there isn't a system or a mechanism to uh, decipher the differences between the quality of the units, what you're seeing on a wholesale market is the price per pound for cannabis that should not be consumed being sold at nearly the same price of really, really high quality product that is extremely difficult to produce. And so there is um, there is a real big problem because the high quality producers, um, you, you know, they deserve to get anywhere between three to maybe even a thousand dollars more per pound, uh, but they can't. Or um, on the the reverse, people who are growing really um, low quality cannabis stuff that's unflushed, unripe. Um, has a bunch of um, you know pesticides on it, what have you. Uh, that stuff should not be selling for as high as it is. And so we're the only multi-billion dollar market in the world that has no ability to measure the difference of its quality. Um, and so every head of lettuce 
in the grocery store and apples and even your medicine, your pharmacy has all been quality verified and checked uh, for your consumer safety. Um, and also for your, for your um, I guess, <laughs> so that it tastes good too, not just being safe, but that it's a high quality product. Um, and so it's kind of silly that the cannabis industry doesn't have anything like that when at the same time our industry is more serious about bragging rights and proving that our cannabis is better than the other person's, which is why we've developed entire cannabis cups around this. Um, and almost this black market process of how do you prove to your purchaser um, that your your cannabis is better than the other guy's. I can imagine um, that would be really uh, important at the wholesale level too, right? Because so many people are are buying flour and they are deciding whether or not to, you know, put it in a bag for bag appeal or run it into oil because it might be strong but not very pretty. They're doing that mostly on the opinion of the producer, um, unless they go and they take a look at it themselves first person, which is super time consuming. I can imagine that you know, a standard that got picked up throughout the, uh, the industry would be pretty much helpful to everybody. Well, it would. And, and also, uh, at the consumer level as well. And so in the state of Washington, you're not allowed to see or smell the cannabis before you purchase it. So you basically get this grab bag for 50 bucks and you're just praying that it's going to be decent. Yeah. And so, um, what uh, the TAG program is, is Trichome Assurance Grading. It truly is the world's first and only cannabis quality certification process. Now, hold on. Before you go too far down the TAG thing, I want to talk. I want to focus on TAG more on the second set when we're talking about uh, you at Cannabis Cups. Okay. Let's, let's circle back around first. And because I know that you're using uh, these, these sommelier folks, these interpreters mm-hmm. yeah. um, in the Cannabis Cups. And I first want to set up, you know, why why these interpreters, where they get their skills. So let's, let's circle back around to like, what are sure. you teaching interpreters as the quality aspects in flower, which makes your, your, your interpreter, your sommelier program. Um, so, uh, you know, why is that the best standard in the industry? Sure. So, um, interpreting is, uh, cannabis sommeliership and, um, in all uh, decadent categories of expertise, which would include wine sommeliers, beer cicerones, cheese mongers, coffee cuppers, tobaccoists, honeyers, um, the majority of what they're analyzing um, is one, quality, uh, and two, um, you know, how well does it pair with another food? And so it's about does it taste good and what does it pair with? And Interpreting does the same thing, but to go so much further, way far, <laughs> way more important is, you know, in the beer industry, when you order an IPA, you get an IPA. But in the cannabis industry, you could order Blue Dream and, and not get Blue Dream, um, you know, nine out of 10 times in Colorado for sure. Uh, it's the most counterfeit strain name in our state and in Washington too. Um, and so what interpreting does is, in an industry that's as young as it is, with the strain name dilemma and speciation dilemma, is it empowers customers and patients to know how their cannabis will affect them uh, physically, mentally, psychotropically by being able to see and smell the psychotropic differences within the flower types. Um, and so, you know, interpreting, we really start out in cannabis elementary school where we you know, first teach you about the very first cannabis plant ever, uh, pituitive, ancestral, primordial, cannabasia, cannabis ruderalis, and how that species created the indica and sativa species and how those species moved around the planet and how some are drug types and some are hemp types, and we've got both of each, and this is why it gets really confusing. Um, but then going further, the program um, basically gets to a point where we analyze that Cannabis is a massively hybridized, domesticated plant the way that dogs are, but in canine form, Um, and that it's not a gray wolf and it's not a coyote like the original strains or species in the wild. So when you go to a pet store, you purchase a poodle. 
Um, and that's kind of the same uh, in the cannabis store. It, the, the flowers are more like poodles than they are like wolves and coyotes, indicas and sativas. Because they're so, so far away from the land race. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is we, we have to really analyze cannabis in a much more intelligent way. And interpreting really helps people to do that. By looking at cannabis in the, in the hybridized spectrum that it's in, from stimulating to sedating uh, flower types. And then we teach you how to use uh, your human senses to literally use your, uh, uh, your fifth uh, cranial nerve, your trigeminal nerve in your face, to physically feel the detection of the vibration of the terpenes in different parts of your face while simultaneously analyzing their specific scent profiles so that we can gauge what terpenes are available and what type of pharmacology we know they produce. Um, And then also the shape of the bud structure, the cola itself, uh, is dictated by the plant shape. And the plant shape is dictated by the geography. And the geography really helps us better understand what type of psychotropic plant types these started out as. Um, And so we really, we dissect um, in class over 100 flowers that we bring to class uh, visually and uh, uh, with our smell, with our sense of smell. And we dissect them for their total quality. And so, you know, the Tricome Institute, we are a cannabis education company. Um, I believe we're the only cannabis education company that teaches people about bad weed. (laughs) Uh, You know, so many grows and grow schools or grow books and competitions and all these things. It's always about the best of the best of the best. Uh, But our, our theory is you don't know what good weed is until you really understand the intricacies of uh, poor quality cannabis. You know, uh, uh, moldy weed is one of those things like, you know, like, like male plants, right? Where a lot of, a lot of people who are all the way at the end, who are the consumers, a lot of them have never seen a male plant because there's no reason generally for a male plant to find its way into, into the, the, the food chain for cannabis getting to the end user. And, and similarly, there's no reason for moldy weed to be in there as well. It was funny when, um, so about, about three years or so, we had a plant go moldy and you know i just took like six seconds of video of it and threw it on my shango los youtube channel and i was shocked that it's like one of the most popular videos that people watch just because so many so few people have seen moldy weed and i think that your point is well made that you know uh when you see miraculous flower i mean it kind of stands out and you know holy crap this looks good and it smells good i can't wait to to toke it whereas when it comes to you know you know b and medium grade flower, um, a lot of people don't, they haven't seen C, D, and F to know the difference between mids and really bad stuff that you shouldn't ingest at all. Correct. And, um, you know, interpreting is, it's, it's really serious the way that uh, wine sommeliership is serious. And so when I teach you how to assess the degree of cannabis age, I show you cannabis that's three months, six, nine, 12, 15, you know, and two years old. And we'll show you the spectrum where we'll teach you that chlorophyll in the bud begins to bleed at the base of the cola where the stem is. And so you can really see the degree of age from uh, the chlorophyll bleeding from the amount of time that it takes as well as the particular and very specific smell old cannabis produces, regardless of the strain or terpene types that it started out with. Um, and so we're really kind of the only place in the world where you can get that hands-on, uh, you know, s- s- uh, smell-on um, lecture uh, a- expert experience, but also with the molds and unflushed cannabis and um, cannabis with nutrient lock, uh, chemical burn, um, spider mites, uh, male flower sites, poor trim, hemp that was harvested early on purpose to keep the THC levels down. I mean, we really bring all of these cannabis samples to class in Denver. And the, the Denver classes are level two, which is the hands-on class that also includes a test. So, you know, after the four-hour um, education and, and workshop, we give you 10 jars of cannabis that are unlabeled. And what the test is, is you have one hour to pick five 
out of the 10 and tell us what's wrong with those herbs, identify the species of mold or the degree of the unflush or, or what have you. And then the other five, line them up in order from stimulating to sedating. And there's, and there's five of them. And so when people can do this, when people pass more than 80% uh, of their level two tests, they become a level two certified interpreter and they get a green pin. Um, and we have level two certified interpreters in Canada. Uh, people have flown in and have passed from South Africa, uh, Mexico. Um, every class we teach, we have people fly in from more than five different states and multiple countries. Uh, last class, we had people fly in from um, even the Czech Republic and uh, in Poland. Um, so, yeah. I, I know your classes are, are jam-packed, and, and I think that one of the aspects of it is that it really is a pilgrimage, right? Because like I've been wanting to take your interpreting series myself, but being out here on Vashon Island where I live, I'm a long way away from Denver. And so you know, I need to make a, a specific plan to come to you. But really, you know, even though your class would blow up if you did it online, there's simply no way to do it because um, the experience of, of – of grading cannabis, you have to do it in person because so much of it is based on smell. This, I mean, so uh, yes and no. Mm. So the the yes is yes to everything that you just said because it makes perfect sense. Um, and and that's the Denver class, and it is a pilgrimage because people do have to come to us because we can't take a uh, hundred flowers across any border, right? <laughs> um, and so, unfortunately, it's a pilgrimage. Um, but the, the no part is, is the level one that we do. And level one is simply um, people who are just so excited to learn about interpreting and they want the three-hour lecture and the ability to uh, interact with me in person um, and ask all the questions that they want. I do uh, do these level one courses at a state. And I just did one at Dope Magazine's headquarters uh, in Seattle um, while I was out there uh, judging the Dope Cup. Um, and, uh, we had a full class for sure. And, uh, and, and because I was judging the cup, I had enough cannabis to actually detect, uh, the, the, uh, enough that were different to demonstrate and show in class. Some actually poor quality ones as well as, uh, the spectrum, uh, in and of itself. So I, it was kind of like a level one and a half, if you will. Um, and I will tell you that, you know, our interpreting tools are super fun and awesome. They're colorful and interactive and simple to understand. Um, but the guidebook, I've actually started looking at uh, the idea of scratch and sniff stickers. So if there were people in Australia or the UK who it would just be a little too extreme to, to make the pilgrimage, that maybe we could, in the interpreting uh, you know, super kit, actually put vials of live terpenes um, that will go along with the guidebook with scratch and sniff stickers so that we can, you know, if I tell you that the smell of unflushed flower smells like this and you scratch it and it does, um, it's better than, uh, I guess not having a scratch. Yeah. It's and better than not at all. Book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but I, I think a scratch and sniff cannabis sommelier book would just be the coolest thing ever. So do you find that there's a lot of variability in the terpenes that different people's noses can pick up just like with wine, different people's palates can pick up different notes? So yes, absolutely. And I, I am, I'm unfortunately too busy to do so many things in life. But uh, one thing that I need to get around to doing um, is testing myself as a super taster. Um, and I've ordered my kit. So I do have the super taster tester kit, um, which is really fun to say. Uh, and apparently there's this, um, this chemical way to analyze if you are a part of um, a small population of humans on earth who have an ability to taste things much greater than other people. Um, and I, I do have lots of people uh, tell me that one reason why they're concerned that they don't want to come to class is because they have a really poor sense of smell. Um, and, you know, I just ask them, how much do you care about passing your test versus learning all of the information about what cannabis is, where it comes from, how it works, and how to identify its qualitative features? maybe that's better than you being able to smell. So class is still important. Um, but I think the most interesting thing 
the thing that's the craziest part of interpreting um, and the thing that needs more science and more research is where you feel the smell in the different parts of your face. And so I'm the, um, I, I still have never seen anybody in the world publish any type of media or content or literature or video or anything around the idea that this is uh, something that is true and happens and is possible. Um, and uh, I've been doing this since I was a young kid. And now I teach this to people and it is extremely accurate. Uh, that stimulating terpene types are felt on the ophthalmic part of the trigeminal nerve, which is the top of the nose in between your eyes. Whereas sedating and heavier, um, physically heavier uh, live hydrocarbon chains, isomers, terpenes, uh, deeper, richer, rounder, more robust chocolates, leathers, tobaccos, um, that you really that sit in, in the lower part of your nostril and is felt there, um, are really sedative dominant variety types. And so it's this totally crazy thing because whether it's cannabis or not, 99% of everybody I show this to says, I've never in my life even known that my nose could smell at different parts of my nose. Like I've never even realized that. And so when you come to class, you know, not only do, does your, do you see the um, qualitative features, the botanical elements of the flower that are consistent with their quote-unquote sativa indica we in in reality it's more like narrow-leaf drug types that are stimulating versus broad-leaf drug types that are sedating um, do have these consistent correlations uh, within them and where things get complex is the fact that these are all hybrids and so there's a ton of crossover and so it is unbelievably particular and minuscule and just what we're analyzing is the most subtle of uh, visual differences, smell differences, and taste differences. Extremely, extremely subtle. And yes, some people are much better at seeing and smelling um, these subtle features than, than most other people. Right on. So when we get back from the first commercial break, we are going to talk about how you and your team of interpreters are kind of remaking the competitive nature of cannabis cups uh, by bringing your mad skills. Uh, you are listening to Shaping Fire, and my guest today is Max Montrose, founder of the Tricome Institute. For anyone who is paying attention to cannabis medicine, it has become incredibly apparent that full extract cannabis oil, known to some as Rick Simpson oil, is the cornerstone of healing humans with medical marijuana. If you own a medical dispensary or retail store, you know that your customers are asking for it every single day. And if you have been working with patients and seeking out quality full extract oil in the Pacific Northwest, you know the provider Deep Green. Kat Jeter and her team at Deep Green have been making full extract cannabis oil and setting the standards for quality and exact dosing for years in Washington State. The Deep Green brand is known by patients and cannabis media as a premium quality provider for sick children, cancer patients, and others in need. At a time when there are no national standards for cannabis oil, ensuring a product is whole plant, quality assured, and lab tested is often a matter of knowing your source is reputable. Trust in a quality brand is essential when choosing a cannabis medicine that is going to be used concentrated and in volume by any patient, and especially those with weakened immune systems. Deep Green is looking for national brand partners to expand the availability of their legacy top-shelf cannabis oil to emerging medical and licensed states. Partners benefit from the Deep Green brand recognition and credibility, as well as ongoing customer and marketing support. Not only that, but Deep Green knows how to employ the 280E tax rule so you can deduct it all from your taxes. Working with Deep Green can provide the trust and authenticity too often pushed aside in favor of lifestyle products. Your customers can assure themselves that regardless of the state in which it is made, brand licensees adhere to the same strict standards that patients everywhere have come to expect from Deep Green. Deep Green licensing includes startup and capital planning as well as operational and manufacturing instruction, as you'd expect. 
For more information on how your company, co-op, or medical dispensary can benefit from partnering with Deep Green to provide full extract cannabis oil to patients, go to shapingfire.com forward slash deep green to connect with Kat Jeter and her team. That's shapingfire.com forward slash deep green. Welcome back. You are listening to Shaping Fire. I am your host, Shango Los, and our guest this week is Max Montrose, founder and president of the Tricom Institute. So before the break, we were talking about what interpreting is and what all the variable quality data points are when truly uh, looking at cannabis flower and judging its quality. So during the second set, we're going to talk about um, very specifically how these skills are being uh, cross-applied to judging cannabis cannabis cups. So, you know, cannabis cups have been ridiculed since the very beginning for, you know, everything from taking bribes to influence results or simply giving awards to their friends. And it's pretty much ruined the reputation of most competitions. In response to that, you have begun teaching cup event promoters in alternative judging methods that are based much more on botany and data points instead of just the judge's personal preference. Why is this system better than traditional cannabis cup cup, uh, judging panels? Okay. Um, So... So, yeah, let's let's just let's talk about, um, I guess, uh, cannabis cups when describing this. So if uh, if you put in a product in a traditional, let's just say cup, um, they're really expensive and the competition is serious and the reward is really meaningful because in this industry, uh, being able to prove that your product is better than the next guy's is your best method of marketing uh, in advertising, specifically in this industry um, and in many others. But um, so so it's important. And so these judges and their judgments are making or breaking multi-million dollar businesses. And that's important too. That's a big deal. Um, and the people who deserve to win these things, uh, it's important to celebrate their, their really uh, hard efforts um, because it takes more than a decade uh, to to have the types of skills um, to win cups, um, and if people are uh, if if the way that we're judging them um, isn't accurate in ensuring that those who deserve to win win, uh, then we're celebrating people who um, we shouldn't be um, in, per- in promoting more uh, poor quality products and cannabis in the industry. So all of this is really important stuff, and so what you're starting out with is who are these judges? And what are their qualifications for judging? And um, I'm not going to name any names, but I'll just say the largest and probably oldest cannabis magazine that we're all familiar with, you can actually pay to be a judge, a thousand bucks. So if your parents have enough money and you want to prove to your friends that you're super cool, we now have you know, people who, have, who don't even know what trichomes are, don't even know what a calyx is. Um, who think that the the male anther is called a banana on mm-hmm. cannabis. Those are the people who are now going to determine whether your business deserves to be rewarded or not and put in the scene, right? And so, and if it's not those people, then it's really qualified industry people, right? And when you ask what does really qualified mean, it means they've grown cannabis a few times and they've smoked it for five years. It's like, okay, do you study technical textbooks on cannabis and and all of the, these intricacies. And what you find is that most people just aren't as dorky and nerdy as um, people who uh, kind of work at the Tricom Institute and who put together a lot of this um, these data points in, in these textbooks that we produce ourselves. And so um, what we've done is in terms of starting out with who the judges are, you have to be a really qualified judge. Um, and so you have to be an interpreter level three. Um, and so you have to be able to uh, dissect and analyze cannabis quality uh, and its psychotropic spectrum um, in less than five minutes, whereas the level two test, which is the same test, is an hour. 
Uh, and you have to demonstrate that in multiple ways. But you also have to learn the standard operating procedure of our grading scale for concentrates um, and also things like uh, trichome ripeness, trichome density, and then learning um, the, the subtle spectrum that really takes a in-person teacher to teach you what like the degree of pungency is. You know, that is something you can't learn online. Right, you have right. to spend critical time with someone. Uh, and we've spent hours and hours and hours doing this with each other. Um, and so literally at the Dope Cup, when there was four, sometimes five, uh, six of us interpreting, um, utilizing the TAG program to do these judgings, um, it, it's it's just... Uh, it's unbelievable how much time it takes us. We're up to like two or three in the morning doing this, but the amount of hours that we've put in checking each other's work and cross comparing our evaluations to make sure that they fall within uh, our parameters of uh, inter-rater reliability um, is intense. It's really intense. What, so are, the, what are some of the data points that you as interpreters are looking at versus um, what a normal judge would? I mean, we've obviously established that, you know, a sommelier level interpreter of cannabis has got more experience and have, has studied it more than the average cannabis judge. But, but I also believe that your system is going to be different because, you know, I've seen some judging packets and some of the judging packets, you know, where they're, where they're doing the ratings, they seem pretty fluffy to me. And and, you know, I know that you approach this from such a scientific and botanical background that I would think that some of the data points that you are looking at are different than traditional judging. What might a couple of those be? Super good question. Um, so, so for those who don't know TAG, it's a computer program that we built and it's a calculator. And what it's doing is it's calculating uh, numeric values that level three interpreters are are giving to a variety of different visual, olfactory, uh, and consumption data points. And so, you know, in most traditional cups, everything is subjective. It's whatever that person thinks they like, and usually it, they're liking it intoxicated, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, in, this program, everything is analyzed in the exact same way, double blind twice. Um, and I guess some of the uh, big biggest differences uh, of our data points is we do the entire grading and calculation sober until we're done producing all of the report cards and then it comes the consumption aspect of, of the judging. So we're judging all of your products sober. 90, 95% of the judging is done sober. And that's one of the biggest differences between the way that we judge um, in, other, in other cups. But, um, you know, we smoke cannabis. We get down. Uh, we're not just nerds. Uh, we can puff tough, and we do. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you have to be able to judge the consumption because it's unbelievable how tricky cannabis can look. It can look gorgeous. It can look and actually have ripe, erect trichomes that have really pungent terpenes and everything about that flower just looks sexy. And then you take a hit and you're just coughing your brains out uh, and your chest feels like hot spider webs. And it's because this person didn't flush the bud at all. And so all of the nutrients and chemicals of the six months going into this plant are, is what you're smoking. And so it looks ripe because it is, and it smells good, probably because it's in a defensive mode because it's so sick internally. And you can't really see that. Um, and so when we're like judging the degree of the flush, it's kind of like how wine sommeliers take a sip of wine and spit it out. We don't, uh, we call it the Clinton. The only time, you know, Anybody would ever ingest cannabis and not inhale as Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so sometimes there's, there's a Clintoning aspect, uh, especially when, you know, we're judging dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, concentrates and flowers that uh, we, can, we can look at the report and mathematically we know they're not going to win. 
versus the other, you know, huge lumps and groups where, okay, these 25 to 30 people, uh, one of these guys is going to win. We'll, we'll definitely bring that entire hit into our lungs and feel the, the, um, the entirety of it, uh, down our throat, uh, the intensity of the heat, um, how much it makes our uh, glands, uh, swell, the degree of the salt on the side of our mouth, um, you know, how thick is my saliva? Uh, we really, I mean, we look at the ash. I mean, we, we really analyze every piece. And like I said, double blind twice. Um, and so probably that's probably the other, um, biggest, biggest part of difference between the way we judge and other people is we utilize, um, a system that transfers, uh, the subjective into the objective. And the system is inter-rater reliability. And essentially what that means is, um, I keep saying double-blind twice, you know, one, Dope Magazine gives us all of the samples without any strain name or, or, or a grower dispensary operation. So we literally just get a bag with a number on it. So we're not allowed to have any bias, um, and we we don't know the you know the species or the strain name, right? Um, and then once we do our our grading and we go through our process, the grades uh, the reports are then matched against each other's uh, two other people, and those grades have to uh, be within three points of each other out of a hundred. So I'm going to tell you. Um, I'm going to tell you this really incredible thing that happened at the cup uh, that we didn't expect to happen. I, actually, there was a lot of that. <laughs> we can tell you some, some funny stories, too, about some of the cannabis we found. Um, crazy stuff. Uh, but we had no idea that five different cup um, entries from these, these companies took their best flower and divided it into two different categories. But it was the same flower. And nobody told us this right? Because we're not allowed to know anything. Right. Double blind. Right. And so um, outside of our cannabis quality certification, there's a lab that does the lab analysis. And that's something we should also talk about is why the tag process is um, actually does do a quality analysis over all mandated lab processes in all medical states That's in retail. Um, that's a big deal. But uh, the point is, is this lab did the chemotyping, so the cannabinoid terpene analysis, and the reports were identical for the five flowers that were divided in two categories, so a total of 10 buds. And so when we learned that this happened, we were all like, oh, shit, <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is going to be the ultimate test. How well did we, uh, did we do? And essentially, the analogy for this is put, looking at a splatter painting in asking two people to guess the the number between one and a hundred that they feel this painting deserves from a quality perspective. So is it an 87? Is it a 64? And so that's what we're doing. We're taking two people and we're looking at a piece of cannabis under a microscope and it looks like a splatter painting, right? And all five samples that were divided twice, we got within our three points of each other. And see, um, that, that also says a lot about how you are training these interpreters, right? Because, yeah. you know, um, you know we, we need to have the human element because we want to, you know, truly be able to judge the different terpenes and how they blend and how they impact a human. But at the same, side, at the same, at the same time, we want to make sure that everybody's judging using the same standards. And so right. the fact that you've got these different samples and different interpreters, and yet they're still coming, you know, within 3% of each other, it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Now, hey, well, I've got one more question I want to ask you before we go to break here. So, you know, you're bringing in this whole new way of, of judging cups, and it's going to going to you know push out people paying um to be judges which is a income stream and it's going to push out you know friends of the promoter who got to be a judge because they you know they're owed a favor or something and so you know this this will really remake the cup scene you know to what degree have you had um you know acceptance by a promoters and b people who are competing because i can i bet you that there's people on both sides yeah. Oh, man. I mean, 
it's trust me, it's not an easy thing uh, to to explain to someone that they're gonna pay you to grade their weed and then tell the world <laughs> what you found. Um, although uh, we don't tell the world what we find, we keep everything coded. So if we do find bad product, we don't publish that. Mm-hmm. So we're never going to um, put anybody down, okay? Um, and I think that's a good thing uh, to start with the tag program. Um, and then, you know, here's the thing. I don't really, in terms of the revenue stream um, of the, for the companies that have paid judges, um, tell you what, instead of making money off of ensuring that your cup is going to be uh, completely inaccurate, and probably pissing off all of the people who are paying you to have their samples judged in the first place, um, and you know, giving your cup uh, legitimacy. Um, why don't you do education and training programs associated with your cup to teach the public and the consumers and other growers um, what cannabis really is, where it comes from, how it helps people, uh, and develop a revenue stream based off of um, producing more education for the people who are going to these cups. Now, Max, I, I mean, I get this, right? You and I are both cannabis nerds, and I get that. But really, the heart of the question, though, is is are promoters digging this or not? I mean, that's really where I want to take this. Are they totally, going, yeah. hell yeah, I want to do this? Or are people pushing back and saying, I don't want your science, this is working out good for us? What, what are you seeing? So, I mean, so here's what we're seeing. We're seeing that the majority of cannabis producers don't produce that, um, that high quality of product. There are fewer producers that produce high quality products, right? So by default, there are a majority of people who uh, would probably prefer a system that was less accurate because mm-hmm. they might have higher chances of winning, right? But at the same time, people who really care about the industry and who get uh, what the tag program can bring to cannabis, really, really love it and truly respect it and really embrace it. Um, and so, you know, um, when I was in Oregon and I judged the dope cup in October, the amount of growers who came up to me just pissed as shit. Just, you know, who do you think you are grading our weed, judging our weed? You're not even from our state. You don't know anything, right? I mean, it was a lot of people. And, uh, I just sat down and I just said, look, I'm going to explain to you how I do this before you start hating on me. And when I just explained to them how it works, they all just flipped the switch instantly and said, thank you for doing this. This is what our industry is needed. Um, you know, where have you been the whole time? And now I'm really good friends with these growers. Um, and so, you know, Dope Magazine has embraced it more than any other company so far. Um, but other companies who do cannabis competitions have started, you know, asking us about the program, but, you know, they kind of run their competitions in their own way. Um, so I would say that a lot of uh, producers and promoters really appreciate the fact that there is a real competition and that it's possible uh, and people who deserve to win are winning um, and that it's fair and that it's even. So even if you lose, um, at least it wasn't because uh, you know, some stoner who didn't know what they were doing about, um, graded your cannabis and you lost because of that. At least, you know, you can go back and analyze your report and compare it to other people's and learn why you didn't win and improve yourself from it. That's, that's what's happening. And and similarly, it creates a paper trail so that people aren't feeling like they're losing because there was a, you know, special donation made behind the scenes, which cannabis cups are constantly being charged with. So, hey, we're going to go to our second break and read right back. You are listening to Shaping Fire. And my guest today is Max Montrose, founder of the Tricom Institute. Businesses everywhere are constantly striving to reach out to people through advertising. We all know, though, that trying to reach a cannabis audience with a quality message is pretty difficult. That's why many people choose to advertise on the Shaping Fire podcast. Advertising on this show allows us time to talk about your product, service, or brand in a way that really lets people know what sets your company apart from others. Bold people who own companies know that getting into a relationship with their customers is essential. That is what we offer. We will explain your service or product and what sets it apart as desirable and help our audience get in contact with you. It's pretty simple, really. Advertising does not have to be all whiz-bang, smoke, and mirrors. Nowadays, I find that people prefer just to be spoken to calmly, accurately, and with good intentions. If you want to make your own commercial spot, you can do that too. 
Because the podcast is young, but growing at an exceptionally fast rate, if you become an advertiser on the Shaping Fire podcast now, you are going to pay a fraction of the cost we'll be asking for in just a few months. And yet everyone listening both now and to the back catalog of interviews later will hear about your company again and again for years. It's a great deal for you. Pay a small amount now because the show is new, but take advantage of the huge listening audience we will have forever. Do yourself a solid and contact us today for rates on podcast and newsletter advertising. Email hotspot at shapingfire.com to find out more. Welcome back. You are listening to Shaping Fire. I'm your host, Shangalos. And our guest this week is Max Montrose, founder and president of the Tricome Institute. So before we wrap up here, Max, you know, you've alluded a couple of times to these uh, unexpected stories that you have come across while grading cannabis at Cannabis Cups. And, you know, most probably everybody who's listening has either been interested in, attended, or wish they attended a cup. So why don't you like kind of bring a lot of this science home for us and tell us a couple of these outlier funny stories that you've been alluding to, uh, to kind of make us feel like uh, we've been sitting in your seat. Sure. Um, so... You know, we just got back from the uh, Seattle Dope Cup. Um, you know, the the edible category, it's an interesting one to judge, and we don't have too much time, so I'm not going to go into how we get into the technicalities of judging that. Um, but it's really unbelievable how delicious and awesome the amount of edible products are. It's just mind-blowing how just fantastic almost all of them are. Um, up until the point where you get you know, some companies who I'm not going to mention the type of drink, but I'm not kidding. We were literally spitting some of the stuff out in the sink left and right. And as judges trying to get each other to, to like drink it as a joke and just, it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, some of those just wild cards that, that pop in there, but more, more than the drink, um, in, in all of those drinks from that company was one of these flowers that was entered in the THC category, which is generally judged for the highest THC, um, but not always because we're judging quality and THC uh, doesn't equate to quality. Um, and so uh, we come across this bud and we have, we were, we've literally been, we've never been so astonished by a piece of flower in our lives. And on the report, which we're going to publish on our website soon, it literally says this is the worst piece of cannabis we've ever seen ever. Uh, and it smells like a Glade plug-in. It <laughs> smells like just raw chemicals. It's brown and it disintegrates into dust in your hand. And when you look at the trichomes under the microscope, they're like really are none. Um, and there are uh, looks like bugs and fecal matter as well as um, a lot of these black weird things we can't identify and dust particles and other things. And so um, it was literally like, I, I can't even describe, I have no analogy for how, what, what this thing was. Um, but it was really interesting because when you get the HPLC report from the lab, this is a flower that has 47% THC. Get out. 47%. 47%. That, oh, and man. So, that leaves so, me skeptical, man. <laughs> hold, on, hold on. Hold hold your horses, Shane. <laughs> so we look around at each other, and we're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, how is this possible? Like, seriously, what is this? And we talked to the lab, and they just said, uh, they were like, look, obviously somebody soaked this flower in hash oil. And whatever chemically hash oil that was more you know viscous than not it has to be more like water probably had some chemical on it that is why it smells like a glade plug-in oh, but yeah. you're, you know we're looking at this thing and that that is what they did so they they thought that they were going to win first place for the highest thc because essentially they cheated by soaking a flower in THC oil. That's like but next level compared to people who would roll their flowers in keef, you know, before correct. submitting them. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then and tried to hide that they did this because like it wasn't like sticky hash oil on the bud. You couldn't see the oil, just the flower. But the flower was like tan and brown and smelled horrible and disintegrated, like I said. So anyways, long story short. We were just like, um, you think you're going to win first place? Annihilated. <laughs> and just like, it said, uh, you know, we just don't appreciate, uh, I hope you don't sell this like to the public. I hope this isn't really a product that you make and that this is more of like a joke in your attempt to try to win a cannabis cup because at the end of the day, it's not funny. 
Like that was some of the most disgusting shit we've ever seen. And it was offensive. It was bad. Um, but I'll tell you, but on a good note to, to end on a positive note, um, because we're aggregating data in the way that we are, we have an opportunity where we're literally analyzing the collectiveness of what makes Oregon cannabis, Oregon cannabis, what makes Colorado cannabis, Colorado cannabis. Um, and these are different, almost like countrywide appellations. And then within those, there are terroir. And so this really is an interpreting sommelier uh, analysis, but at a state level. And we were just completely blown away, fascinated, and also uh, quickly bored uh, by the fact that 98% of every flower we smelled in the competition smelled like a diesel. Every single one. Every single one was Gorilla Glue number four or Sour Diesel. Um, these are really high in uh, terpenaline, um, a gas-like smell that produces a really racy kind of high effect. Fuels are really popular around here, especially since we have a hard time getting them, right? Because a lot of the Northwest is uh, Indicas, you know? Well, so the thing is, is um, uh, I was talking with a gentleman um, who, who works in the area, and what he said uh, was really intelligent, um, which was a lot of the diesel varietals, for whatever reason, have been known to um, not have uh, – to resist mold better than other strains, and so because Seattle and in that area is just covered in water and rain and wetness all the time, that, the, that there's really a majority of a type of strain that has a better chance of surviving. And it happens to be these high terpenaline diesel-like varietals. Um, and so the geography and the, uh, you know, the requirement to um, have mold-resistant strains in that, that geography um, is important. And if that's the case, that's what we analyzed looking at over 200 flower samples, literally 98% of them smelled almost identical. They were all just different little subtle versions of diesel, 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 and it got bored quick. But, um, but it was really interesting. It was really fascinating. Yeah, um, that really is interesting. I had not considered that because, you know, a lot of times we don't get sativa around here just simply because if they're grown indoor, people don't want to spend the extra light hours to finish a sativa and good luck finishing a sativa outdoor anywhere here in the Northwest. Um, but that makes sense because if they've got, if they're naturally resistant to mold, um, people will uh, certainly keep the lights on longer for that. Yeah. 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 Right on. Cool. Well, I know that you could probably do an entire show just on the same topic again, but our time is up for today. Let's, we're going to have you back another time in a few weeks, though, to talk about um, the very interesting stories that you've got to share about um, uh, beating cannabis DUIs and how you're being flown around the country to be an expert witness. So, so I look forward to having you back again soon, Max. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Shingo. Max Montrose is founder of Tricome Institute. You can find out more and register for interpreting courses at trichomeinstitute.com. You can find more episodes of the Shaping Fire podcast and subscribe to the show at shapingfire.com and on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a positive review of the podcast wherever you download. Your review will help others find the show so they can enjoy it too. On the Shaping Fire website, you can also subscribe to the weekly newsletter for insights into the latest cannabis news and product reviews. On the Shaping Fire website, you will also find transcripts of today's podcast as well. For information on me and where I'll be speaking, you can check out shangolos.com. Does your company want to reach our national audience of cannabis enthusiasts? Email hotspot at shapingfire.com to find out how. Thanks for listening to Shaping Fire. I've been your host, Shango Los. 